Bowling Green, Toledo, 89.5 WFOT Lexington Mansfield, 90.9 WSHB Willard, 88.1 WHRQ Sandusky. Annunciation Radio, Faith with Frequency. everybody and welcome in this Pentecost season. All of us seeking a greater outpouring of the Holy Spirit in our hearts and minds and lives. Because knowing the truth isn't enough. Walking with Jesus even for three and a half years for those closest to him was not enough. We need the Holy Spirit. And those of us who've received the sacraments have received the Holy Spirit, but is it stirred up? Tonight and into the season, this quote-unquote ordinary season, let's recognize the extraordinary. So we welcome you to this brand new episode of Ignite Radio Live. Over the five mighty stations of Annunciation Radio, you are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter, and we are absolutely delighted to be with you because we are getting ready to ease on down the road with Season 2, Episode 2 of the Family Road Trip Podcast. We're so excited for you to hear this. And we ask you to stick around afterwards because we have an important topic that we want to throw out there for you. Here we go. Buckle up. Arms inside. Venture Highway. Okay. Go ahead, Raina. Sing for us. Bronco, go ahead. It's your turn. I want to hear a Ukrainian translation. So it's Slovak. I will give you a heads up before you say it. <laughs> Why do I keep getting it back and forth? I thought because I got it right last Russian. time. I thought it was Slovak last. Just say Russian, Greg. <laughs> I thought I said Slovak last time. Oh, my goodness. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to another very special episode of the Family Road Trip Podcast. So excited to be with you here Season 2, Episode 2. You are with Greg and Stephanie Schleter and our four awesome, wonderful journeyers. Got to add heroic. Really got to keep heroic, saying heroic. Heroic, courageous, heroic. I hear a car. Or somebody's stomach gurgling. <laughs> We're very excited to have um, four wonderful couples, heroic couples. If you go to ilovemyfamily.us, you'll see... We kind of decided to use a, a new image, and if you go, you'll see it at ilovemyfamily.us, or eventually clicking, you'll find it. And what is that image? You'll see a road under foreboding skies going into the mountains with lightning hitting the road. It adequately is a picture of the way many moms and dads feel 
when presented with the challenge of making their homes places of ever-deepening encounter with Christ. It's the lightning. We're, we fear it. Maybe some of us, that fear is kids who are really steeped in digital stuff and to come together to talk and pray isn't exactly on the top of their list of what they want to do after a long day. Or mom and dad after a long day, you know, to gather the family together, to have really meaningful conversation. But we're in season two of the Family Road Trip podcast, and basically that means for seven weeks, these wonderful couples have said yes to doing that, to going into the storm and having confidence that God is going to bless them profoundly. On the other side of that storm, on the other side of that yes, is tremendous grace being outpoured. But we got to overcome our fears. we got to overcome our reservations, our doubts, our awkwardness. Be really honest about it. Because why? Because this is our truest identity as husbands and wives, to image the Trinity. There's no identity that surpasses this fabulous identity. And it's, it's made possible by the capacity to love, to literally participate in God who is love. I know it's a lot of theology, but the bottom line is we're inviting you to join us on this journey of gathering once a week with your family. Be heroic, be courageous, go into the storm to gather your family together to talk and pray based upon this coming Sunday reading. So find all that at ilovemyfamily.us. So before we introduce our individual couples and we get down to business and talk about how their first week went, if you listen to episode one, a lot of fun, a lot of good music blended with them sharing who they are and a little bit of their fears looking into the future, looking into the six weeks that would follow. Well, they've done it. Now they're on the road. They've eased on down the road as we're easing down the road. And uh, just so it's great to have you all with us tonight. I want to ask you all a question kind of free for all style. What are you looking forward to? It's one thing y'all are looking forward to this summer. This is Jen Daniels, and we are actually leaving on Friday to go to the beach for a week with our family. And we're really excited to get away and spend some time together and to spend some time with my family. Very cool. I'm excited for you guys. You deserve it. That's very awesome. Who else? Um, this is Ellen Hunterbrinker, and I would say we're looking forward to meeting our babies in a couple weeks. And just for our new listeners uh, who may not have tuned in last week, you did say plural babies. Wow. Yes. So when's the due date, Ellen? Um, we are set to deliver July 5th. Amazing. And this, these are numbers four and five. Um, are yep. the kids excited? Yeah, the big two are excited. Um, our youngest, I think, is a little unaware of what's happening <laughs> oh a little colby and how give us the age the ages again for the older three um two and a half four and a half and two very awesome so good so ellen you know for any moms out there any who've given birth you you have twins you sound so calm you sound like i got this like this is no big deal is that adequately represent internally no not at all <laughs> so i don't know do you have a word of wisdom for any women in this situation right now any encouragement Oh, I don't know. I think God gives you nine months for a reason to prepare for it. But I think he'll always equip you with what you need once they come. Awesome. And And to be very ready, (laughs) right? When that ninth month comes. Yeah. And to have a husband who gives you a full body rub every single night and uh, asks you, what can I go out and get for you? Do you have like a... Uh, is the right word fetish? Pickles, ice cream. The word isn't fetish, is it? Is that the right word? Craving. Do you have a craving, Ellen? No, I think it's more food aversions this time around. Food aversions? 
Aversions. Oh, food aversions. I was going to say, thank you, Jesus, for the gift of imaging. Praise you God and the for Trinity. editing, Ellen. No, that's staying in there. That's that's real life, right there. That's awesome. All right, uh, um, who else is looking forward to something this summer? Since we're past the food aversions. I must have the food of virgins. <laughs> this is Nikki Hummison, and uh, we are looking forward to going to family camp in a couple weeks. Um, just outside of Steubenville, we're going to Catholic Family Land. Awesome. So, a week of no running water, wooden amenities. So, and yet, each excited. year you guys are so excited to go. How many years have you done this, Catholic Family Land? Uh, this will be our sixth year. It's go time! Folks, again, you're tuned into the Family Road Trip Podcast with Greg and Stephanie Schleter. So glad to have you along with us, the ride, easing on down the road. And uh, what is that road? It's a road of greater intimacy. And it does require us heroically setting aside stuff in our lives to, to be courageous. Hunter Brinkers, tell us, how did it go week one? I think week one went pretty well. We had one child who was sick, so that kind of helped to contain the craziness. <laughs> um, they sat quite still on the couch and snuggled oh. during everything. Um, but it was a really sweet moment, too, just to have that time of the kids just sitting there. So, I mean, we knew Colby, our youngest, would kind of be all over the place. But the older two did pretty well as far as participating and being active in everything. I love that image, just kind of snugged in as a young family. It's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Just like me, they long to be close to you. Hummusins. Uh, I'd like to say it went really well, but I have to be honest and say <laughs> it was pretty stormy. That's definitely great. Not, definitely not smooth sailing. But we've we've done this before, so our kids um, know the you know the outline of it and we waited kind of late into the evening because we wanted our oldest boys to be there so awesome we did get our oldest um gabe he is 20 um we didn't get our 18 year old but it was kind of late in the evening mm-hmm. so um a couple of the kids were really antsy you and- left i did because you have eight children so to just have one missing it's still a plus plus in my book both you guys kudos so for Wait, those who, who don't know this there, that's yeah, awesome. absolutely. Yeah, awesome. but it was it was great. It it went really well. Um, but I think next time we're going to do a little bit earlier. Awesome report, Banars. So th- this was interesting. Um, Saturday we are driving. Sunday we got home late. Everybody was tired. So like, okay, we'll do it Monday when we get like during dinner when I get back from work. Okay, well I'm driving back from work and uh, I got a flat tire. So, so we did make it home. I mean, I made it home two hours later. Catherine came to help me out. Oh, and we did do the gathering. God but bless you. Impressive. Heroic. Well, and how it did was... it go with sweat dripping down your brow? Yeah. And so it was interesting because everybody was kind of, uh, you know, out of, out of sorts. sorts. Yeah, out sure. of sorts. Understandable. And so it was. It took some took a lot of effort to kind of get everybody together and start letting go you know mm-hmm. and some some never let go 
<laughs> so, but we did get through it. I think, I think it's just the reality. Interesting. <laughs> so par for the course in me setting the stage by talking about this image of under foreboding skies and a singular road with lightning coming down and all of that, that you chose to stay on the road and do it anyways. And that's courageous. And we all know, folks, if you're listening, God blesses that. If you look at scripture, uh, you find that faith is not possible without obstacles. Faith is not possible without something in front of us that seems foreboding or challenging. It wouldn't be faith. It'd be something else. It certainly wouldn't be faith. So, folks, just want to encourage you in this primary area, when you face circumstances such as what Bronco just shared and Catherine of wanting to do this and time slipped and they, you know, circumstances finally got to a night where they knew they were going to do it, which was tonight, and on the way home and so excited. Well, I'm putting that in there. Maybe you weren't excited, but... Flat tire. Yeah. Flat tire. <laughs> and uh, perseveres anyways. He just wanted to live the analogy all the more, making it real, right? All right. Well, thank you, you guys. <laughs> and now to the wonderful Daniels. How did it go for you guys? It went well. So we um, we actually started and did one last week just to kind of start, get everyone. Um, Cheater. Just to sort of, I know. <laughs> no, overachiever. Awesome. So we started last week just to kind of get everyone in the in the mode of how we were going to do things. And so we decided on a Sunday night um, or Sunday evening, and it, it worked out well for us. And it was really fun this week to see the kids' excitement and anticipation of it. so excited so um it's gone well it's we have a a lot of littles two five seven and under so they're you know the little ones are sort of all over the place but the older ones are you know really engaged and they really really look forward to it so that's been good awesome thanks so much jenny so folks again you are with greg and stephanie schleter with four wonderful families journeying for seven weeks heroically gathering our families together, striving to do that every week for 45 minutes. In the midst of busyness, all of these families have very busy lives and and they're committed to making it happen. And so this is the second stop. As we said, the first stop was simply before it even began, them sharing some maybe fears or concerns or what they hope to get out of it. Check out that first episode blended with some really fun music. And uh, here you are tonight hearing them say they did it. In my opinion, that that's really a phenomenal achievement because most families don't do this. Most families are pining for intimacy, for connection, for funness, for an atmosphere that truly is an encounter of Christ. It's in the ordinary stuff. It's creating an atmosphere where we really get to know others and they know us in our home, where they understand our challenges, our struggles, our fears, our hopes, our dreams. We only have them under our roof for 18 years. Is there anything more important of the 168 hours we get a week? I think my math is right. Maybe 165, 168, something like that. Hours a week. Ah, you got to sleep, right? And there's work. Yes. And you've got the things that you absolutely have to do. But can we spend 45 
minutes a week to gather to talk and pray and receive God's grace. And again, we know it's a challenge and you're hearing them share that challenge. I love that. So if you're experiencing trepidation right now, you listening to us at home, we invite you to just go through the storm. Um, make Put the flag in the sand. Invite your family on a night that makes sense. Have some beverages or something that they like or food and gather them together. And uh, the gathering guide is found at ilovemyfamily.us. Now we're going to go around a second time, and if each of you would share maybe a moving story, something that was said or done uh, in the context of your lit group, and let's begin with the Hunterbrinkers. Sorry, we're deciding who's going to talk. <laughs> deciding or and fighting? <laughs> Who drew the short straw? <laughs> me. For us, it was really, for, for again, it was really Gianna and Vaughn. Jenna was a little sick, but just to actually see them answer the questions. And I'm looking forward to see where this goes over the next six weeks, and hopefully it'll be on that as well, too, is um, answering the, the fun questions uh, maybe a little bit deeper than what they actually may have just said. Well, you know, what's your favorite ice cream or whatever it is? Mm-hmm. Or Hopefully they'll go deeper and deeper. That was awesome. <laughs> I want to go deeper, but I don't have a swing. Folks, what you're hearing is a father uh, who, with his wife, Ellen, beautiful, with the two twins, with the two twins, well, that's a lot, with the twins, gathering together, and though they shared fun answers to the fun questions, and you'll know what we mean, he's expressing hope, and I think even confidence, we know these this beautiful family, that they might be able to share something a little more deeper, which you'll find in the daily questions, for instance. What's a struggle? What's a challenge? What's an affirmation? Even with children that young. He's having confidence that that might be possible and looks forward to it. So, you know, those of you with younger kids, we heard in the first season that absolutely this is possible. There is a depth of reflection that kids have in their own experience to uh, think about things in their lives. So we look forward to that unveiling. Thanks for sharing, Brad. Hummusins. Anytime you can get adult children in your family to come together at a simple text request, you know, that day to participate in something is a good indicator that it's a meaningful thing. So Success. It something to them. That's right. Great. And, and, you know, the other thing was that kids, you know, apologizing for, you know, they have to think about what they did and maybe that wasn't so good during the week or whatever. And that's good. The more you do that, the more you examine your conscience, that forms you to be a better person and you intentionally become a better person. It's mm. work don't grow muscles without working out you don't grow your conscience without examining it you know hopefully we're all progressing well i for personally for me i love to watch the two little ones gianna and reina two and four just totally love on their big brother Aww. it was really just the affection that they were showing each other. It was just, that was my, that was my highlight. That was Oh, that's so beautiful. So folks, big family here with the Hummusons. Gathering them together is victory number one. Jeff certainly sharing that um, when they invite them to apologize, 
Uh, I'll use the analogy that we have this Niagara Falls of grace that's constantly flooding us, but there's debris and stuff in the way. And apology and forgiveness is getting that stuff out of the way. So we experience this freedom and the sense of reconnection with these family members. And I invite you all to think about who are listening, um, you know, how often if we don't do this, We go through life, days, weeks, months, years, where the debris remains among siblings and between parents and kids, that a year, two, five, ten years later, which of us don't know major walls between us and family members that ought not be there? If we would just take the time as parents to set that stage and and invite them every day, ideally, but certainly once a week to say, okay, guys, you know, what do we need to apologize for? How did we offend others? And another piece would be to say, okay, um, is there anybody who needs to just lovingly share with somebody how maybe they hurt you, even if they weren't aware of it? Because sometimes we don't know when we hurt people. But uh, this is part of the Live It Gathering Guide, again, part of this weekly gathering. And uh, I will say, as a father of... uh, seven, one in heaven, six beautiful children here on earth that from their earliest years to present day, this opportunity to get rid of the debris and the junks that grace flows has been has been beyond measure. It has been so significant. And I'll even say that when we wouldn't do this, maybe um, every night, if you will, that they would say, hey, we need to do the apology thing. Like they know when something happened in the day and they know the weight that they're feeling and they want permission and, and an occasion to be invited to apologize or to seek forgiveness, apology from someone else. So that is really, truly awesome. Benars. Well, I have to give props to Bronco because truly it was a, uh difficult evening. And it's true that we weren't really feeling it, including me, but we did get, we did get through and he was very patient and he, he, he had everyone answer all of the questions and, um, Great we got leadership. towards the end and our middle child, when we asked what, what challenge that we would be working on this, this week, these upcoming weeks, he said, um, he said, patience, patience. Okay. And he said, okay, can we just get this over with now? And so, um, (laughs) Lord, give me patience and I want it now. And it actually was really a great icebreaker (laughs) at the end, which we should have had the icebreaker at the beginning, but it really kind of lifted the spirit. We were all laughing, but he got a little bit upset and he went in the, in the room. And then Bronco, um, and we apologized to him. And so actually that was a really beautiful apology as well, because he did come back and, and, you know, gave everyone a hug. So it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely, um, that's not beautiful. picture book, beautiful tonight, but at the same time, um, I think that was a, that was, there was something valuable in it. That was awesome. <laughs> Amazing image. That wouldn't have happened had you not come together. Maybe his tire still would have uh, plunked out. Maybe the enemy was at work here, which tells you you're doing something right. And uh, what an an apt image for our theme of going down the road, literally broken down on the way to trying to just get home and do this with your family. There's something very beautiful and inspiring about that. So, Catherine, you had mentioned the challenge part. That is such uh, an important part of this gathering also just a beautiful opportunity for families to share something that um, they do want to work on. And you have that context of love to hold you to accountability, to encourage you, to um, just walk with you along that. And that's, that's awesome that you guys were able to include that. 
And I can't help but smiling at the image that you described and the fruits that you know will come from that, certainly in that moment afterwards, but just um, what the Lord is doing in that in family relationship and memories too, you know. I want to jump back very briefly too to what Hunter Brinker shared with, you know, the answers from their kids and hoping to go a little bit deeper, you know, or a little differently next time or as they grow. And it's so true, just like when they're learning to talk or communicate, Mm -hmm. right? They start with a few words and they build them into sentences and then paragraphs. And, you know, I think it's the same thing in this um, relational part of family faith, that when we teach them that language, it just gets... um, more and more rich and beautiful and able to express it in different ways. And so I just encourage you and I thank you for doing that with your kids because again, it's the Lord's just going to bless it and it echoes literally into eternity. The Daniels family. Yeah, so we have uh, we have two anecdotes. The first is from Luke, our our two year old. The way he responds to any question so far has been grandma and grandpa. <laughs> 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 That's which, like like it works like for the first one. So like something that you're grateful for, and he said grandma and grandpa and recent victory. Well, we saw grandma and grandpa, um, but but now they they're a challenge, and and he also apologized. <laughs> So, <laughs> that's great it's, it's a, he's it's, learning yeah and and the, the the older kids think it's hilarious and um he thinks he's doing something fun and and um because he makes everyone laugh but go luke i love it the force is with him that's right that's right so the, our oldest two really really love the rosary and and our mm-hmm. um, family i don't know commitment had been to pray a rosary on sunday nights and so we were kind of taking the place of of um, the rosary with the, the living guide. And so the older two, when we said, well, what's a commitment we can, we can all agree on to do for, you know, for this week. And the, the Maria and Joe um, said, Oh, well, we're going to pray a rosary every day. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> wow. Yeah, it's great. Like they're zealous for it. Right. It's, it's exciting. And then I'm like, we're like, okay, that's what you want to do. Um, and so we we asked about how it went um, this past Sunday, and and our oldest Joe says, "Well, that might have been a lot to do for one week." <laughs> <laughs> I'd hate to see great. his desk piled high with all that work, you know. <laughs> <laughs> but it was it was a great thing to kind of see, um, like see their passion and see their um, what what gets them excited for their or in their faith and with their faith. And um, this week, our commitment was. That instead of a whole rosary every night, that um, before we go to bed, each one of us, we're going to spend some time just one-on-one with Jesus and, and see how that goes for the week. That was awesome. 
Folks, you are along the journey with us, easing down the road to what greater intimacy, greater authenticity, just greater realism, real presence. A great phrase, word applicable to our Savior, our Lord, is real presence in the Eucharist. And really, it's um, what is this about? It's about living the holy community that corresponds to Holy Communion. I'll say it again because it's exactly what God calls us to. We don't just receive Holy Communion in this limited moment throughout a week on a Sunday or when we go to Mass, hopefully as frequently as we can, but that it is truly awakening us to who we are in Christ, leading us to the Trinity, that we're literally living holy community. So we're easing on down the road with these wonderful couples, the Hunter Brinkers, Hummisons, Benars, and Daniels. It's a reality program you're along the road with, and we invite you to join us. We invite you to take that risk. It is um, the most satisfying risk likely you will possibly make in your entire life. I would say maybe the most important thing you may do this next week. And um, if nothing else, what does this do? It's validating that they mean something. When you ask them a question and you're open to them asking you questions, it, it makes them a person. It makes us persons to them. It creates this awareness of who we are in, in God, Trinity. So we're so glad that you guys are with us for this Family Road Trip podcast. This is episode two, the second stop along the seven-stop journey. Uh, we look forward to you being with us next week. God bless you. We're back with you live, Greg and Stephanie Schleter with two guests. And we do invite you, if you're so moved, uh, to call in and maybe share with us. Are you meeting with your family regularly to talk and pray? Have you made a recent commitment? Or perhaps you've been doing it for a long time. What difference has it made? What encouragement can you make? You know, perhaps some of you have never done it and your kids navigated through grade school, high school, college, and you wish you did. We hear that story quite a bit, by the way. Parents who discovered maybe later in life they were faithful Catholics going to Mass, Catholic schools, catechesis, etc., but they did not foster cultures of relationship and encounter. And uh, they are with the little kids. We see a span of uh, families with a span of kids, younger to older. Um, If you've got that story, we encourage you to call in and share it. What difference has it made? What did you have to overcome? In what walls stood in the way? What debris stood in the way? So I'm going to, you know, we're going to throw a bunch of things out here in the, the second half of this hour, which we're into now. But 877-275-8098. And as always, you just got to dive in. Even if we're speaking and you're hanging on every word, my wise, beautiful wife is speaking. Call in anyways, 877-275-8098. And get on the journey with us. Seven weeks. We make the commitment. We're busy. We've got six kids. And I truly believe it, that when we make this time, grace flows, and it creates a phenomenal platform for meaningful interaction. So just a special thank you to the um, Hunter Brinkers, the Hummisons, the Benars, and the Daniels. Just so grateful and uh, looking forward to continuing this journey. Again, if you missed um, episode one, go to ilovemyfamily.us and uh, listen to it there. You can also listen to season one, which was just very powerful mm-hmm. also. So we uh, look forward to seeing how the Lord uh, in his grace unveils all that he desires to happen. But those guys are just awesome. So we have two men in the house. 
young men in the mm-hmm. house. So we're going to engage now in a conversation. Again, I invite you to call in and share your testimony of family things, if that moves you, or the subject, the controversial subject, which I am going to now introduce. But just so you know who's with us, we've got JP on the soundboard, John Paul. There he is. And we've got Connor Moon kicking the mic over here with us. Connor, hey, how up? you doing? So John Paul's going to Hillsdale next year. He mm-hmm. is a senior, and Connor is going to begin his sophomore year at... Trine University. I'm no longer a senior. I just want to butt in. Okay, well, yeah, nice. I worked hard four years, and I deserve to not be called a senior. Okay, sorry. You're still a senior. Yeah, all right. So, folks, stupid freshman. I I signed it all off. So, folks, Mm -hmm. um, if you're like us, there's rarely a week that goes by where you're not with peers, those who are married, uh, grandparents, parents, and you are pressed, whether through the papers or your own children, nieces, and nephews, with this challenge. There are few questions more vexing to us than how to speak to this generation that equates desire with the moral good, that thinks desire is its own validation of the moral good. In other words, simply because we have a desire, therefore God must have given us that desire, and what we desire, without even question, must be correct. Now, we can apply it in many ways. The common way is certainly those with a homosexual desire, but we should also say a heterosexual desire. And right out of the gates, I think it's important for us to establish a place where people know that they're loved and that we are all on this journey battling disordered desires. Every single one of us. That's the beginning point. We are battling disordered desires. Which of us aren't battling disordered desires that merit self-control, whatever they may be? So that's point number one. And if we're not challenging every desire and in terms of its moral goodness, are we not saying anything goes? Are we not saying that law itself is absurd? Because who are we to question another's desire? Now, we may say, you know, well, that's just limited to people who have a homosexual desire. You know, that God made them that way, and therefore it's unquestioned, and there should be no moral issues. By the way, I'm not speaking about legal parameters that should be placed upon them. I'm speaking about moral parameters. But just take that. That argument, they have this desire for somebody that is their same gender, ergo it must be from God. Again, desire is being presented as its own validation. Put that on paper. Desire is its own validation of moral good. Is this what you are saying, dear friend of mine, dear brother, dear sister, dear niece, dear nephew? Because if it is with that case, truly, what have you to say to anybody else with any other desire? A desire of a man for many women, not his wife. Uh, And they hate it when we say this, but a desire for an animal. Disordered desires. That may stand out, but you've got nothing to say to that. And if we want to say, again, to somebody who has a homosexual desire, or I might even say somebody with an extramarital sexual desire, if you're going to say that to challenge that is intolerant or uh, ignorant or hateful or all the words that were used, bigoted, that are thrown at us, if we're going to say that truly, and I just ask this, what can we say about anybody at any time? To make a statement is to make a judgment. We all judge. It's impossible in the sense of to evaluate. We are not called in Scripture to make an ultimate determination of one's status before God. We cannot condemn that is reserved for God alone. But there is the biblical sense that we are called to make a moral evaluation. We see this in the Catechism. It's impossible not to judge. And And to question that is to prove my point, because you'd be judging me as being wrong. So we're all called to make a judgment, All of us are subject then to a truth that we did not create, 
but who created us. That's a pretty powerful statement. It's another maybe gold statement to think about. We all ought to judge in light of a truth we cannot create, but who created us. In light of that truth, we ought to look at those desires that we have. I may want to smack my kid, you know, and there's certainly times in, in life where I certainly wanted to. We parents know what that's like. Does that necessarily mean that that's morally right? I may want to put the pedal to the metal and go 150 miles an hour, and believe me, I, I love it. I love speed. I love to drive cars. I've gotten speeding tickets. I dare say I lost my driver's license within the first six months. But here's the thing. I'm not going to erase that moral principle because I struggle with it. I'm not going to pretend it doesn't exist. I'm not going to presume that I can change the landscape of truth because I have a disordered desire for it. In fact, enter the Messiah. If we didn't know our mess, we wouldn't need the Messiah. Part of the problem the churches are empty today is because there's no sin. Without a sin, we don't need a Savior. What if, brothers and sisters, we walked in to Mass or Church of Your Choice on Sunday, whatever, and the, the pastor, the priest, the minister said, hey, listen, folks, here's the landscape. None of us are there. None of us are saints. We were fashioned for intimacy with God. He loves us, and he wants us to know his love. Not a love we can presume to create or contort, but a, a love that is God, his very nature, in Jesus Christ. And we're far from it. And oh, by the way, that span between where we're at in our disorder and that perfect state of order in him is precisely why the church and sacraments exist. We are here today on this Sunday and in our faith to be more fully informed of what is our nature, what is the truth of our nature, and to receive the grace and support to get there. So I would submit, and then I open the floor to my esteemed younger brothers here and my sister in Christ here, I would submit that the new beginning point for us in this culture needs to be to quit isolating individual disorders, but to recognize we're all struggling with disorders. Each of us are own. Thanks be to God, mine is not a homosexual disorder. And I have great, truthfully, compassion because I've had friends who have struggled with that disorder. Some who gave into it, others who, who fought it bravely and are fighting it bravely. I would say at the same time, brothers and sisters who fought heterosexual disorders, challenges of sexuality with those they were dating and then marriage and then beyond marriage, same problem. Cecil B. DeMille, we speak of this often. He is the producer of the Ten Commandments epic movie. And he said so eloquently, and he speaks to us today, we can't break the Ten Commandments. We can only break ourselves against them. I would submit to you, which commandment have any of us really broken that has not, in fact, broken us? I think back to a number of years ago when I was interacting with a dear friend from high school. And so this is years down the road, right? And I knew this dear friend of mine who was in the scene in high school. She was popular. She was you know, sexually active. She was a drinker. This whole situation. And I know in the years that followed, she faced tremendous brokenness. Again, she thought she could break the Ten Commandments, but in fact, they broke her. I know that there were some abortions involved, some plural. I know that there were a couple marriages involved, some plural. I know that there was deep depression involved. So here we are, decades later, she discovered Jesus Christ. Praise God. And she discovered his saving nature. And in this conversation, though, she said, you know, she was disparaging of the Catholic Church. And she said, you know, there were rules that we taught that we were taught. And I don't know if she was trying to be cool or something in the group. But she said, we were, there were rules we were taught, but we really didn't follow those rules. They were kind of silly. And I took her aside later and I said, I'll call her Susan. I said, Susan, which of those rules did any of us really break that didn't, in fact, break us? I mean, really, 
when you were sexually active or any any of our peers, praise God, that wasn't my thing. I was really blessed at that time. Not that I didn't have strong desires, but I was blessed to battle. And it was a battle. I'll just tell you young people, it's a battle. I praise God for the strength to withstand it. But many of our peers fell to that. Which of us weren't broken by that? Or drinking? Or drugs? Or whatever the case may be? Did we... Did we really break them, or did they, in fact, break us? And then I asked her, you have two beautiful daughters. Which of those, quote-unquote, laws would you want them to break? And, of course, she was very sober, if you will, and very uh, contrite and humble and really listened and said, you know, you're absolutely right. So, again, I bring us back to this question, two parents, grandparents, how do we speak to a generation that equates desire with the moral good? Any desire unquestioned or you're a bigot, you're intolerant, you're hateful. And I would submit to you that the starting point is a realization that each of us have disordered desires without which Christ is absurd. Faith is absurd. The church is absurd. We need to begin to meet people at that place of acknowledging our disordered desires and seek together to take those steps to ease on down the road following our podcast and seeking that grace and cultivating the virtue that will offset the vice. And I I truly believe, and I think every bibliography I'm sorry, biography that quite frankly influenced C.S. Lewis to become a Christian. He studied biographies. He saw this pattern. Every biography of every person ever told validates the truth that God has revealed. Every single one. That we can't break the moral law. We can only be broken against it. And then when we follow it, Augustine, name any saint you want, any person you want. When we follow that truth, and it does involve a self-death. It does involve a contriteness. But when we bow down to the truth, to God, who is true, who is love, when we bow down, we open up the door to grace and truly John 10.10, the abundant life. So I didn't really write any of that down, but that's my opening monologue, (laughs) and I threw it out there. John Paul, Connor, Steph, what are your thoughts on this subject? Yeah, um, I think that especially in today's society, the glorification of desires is definitely a problem um undoubtedly um so yeah 200 percent with you on that i think is that with, possible 200%? with regard to how to approach it i think in general following jesus's example is a solid rule which is both teach and then demonstrate um and so that does mean teaching when it's hard um i get into a lot of conversation with peers on these topics of homosexuality, transgenderism especially. Um, And when I talk about it, I'm almost immediately put down as being hateful, as being Mm -hmm. even unchristian. My own religion has been, my, my religious views and me as a Christian has been attacked. That idea of me being a Christian has been attacked because I'm calling um, out the agenda of homosexuality and transgenderism and it it always boggles my mind how unfortunate it is that we've lost the idea of who christ really is i think in today's culture we use him as not an example but as an excuse of well like put. love and tolerance and sort of he, he's Jesus today has almost become just a bench to throw our excuses on so that we don't have to deal with real life problems. And we've lost the reality that Jesus Christ died because he was a controversial figure. Um, Now that does not mean to just 
start talking about whatever controversy you can think of or whatever controversy you can find. No, but it does mean to stand in the truth and to proclaim the truth with love, with love. Absolutely. Um, and so, yeah. So to teach, to say it, to have conversations, but also to demonstrate, I, there is nothing I think more damaging than seeing a Christian. Yes, we're all imperfect, but seeing a Christian profess Christ, but then live a life that's contrary to what they're professing. And so, do you see that a lot? I honestly, I I see it. I wouldn't say a lot per se. I think we all will profess. Th- there's a difference, I think, between professing and not living it, and professing it and hiding parts of our lives, like purposefully. Mm-hmm. So, like. I have a lot of friends and myself included where we're all working through some struggles. Um, but I think a difference is we're not making excuses for mm-hmm. it and we're striving to overcome them. Um, so I do see that a lot. I see less so those um, proclaiming the truth and really hiding it, but I know that it, it exists and I know that um, many who are very vocal on LGBTQ issues will immediately point to um, the divorce rate of those who are in straight relationships, um, in real marriages, um, that they'll, they'll point to that and say, well, like we're more loyal and you guys are professing this and this about marriage, but not this. And so, and that's a valid argument. Um, it's not entirely correct. It's It's not sound. Um, and so it's, it should be a call out to, those to actually begin taking marriage seriously. Cause I do see a lot on social media, a lot of people who, um, a lot of Christians who will proclaim this whole idea of marriage, which is very, very true. Um, but I mean, are you taking your marriage seriously? I, I can't judge that. Um, but it should be a challenge for us to take everything more seriously. Thanks, John Paul. So on this word, uh, toleration, we hear it often. And I would submit simply one sentence for us all to think about whenever that word is invoked. Toleration of falsehood is intolerance of truth. Amen. Just folks, say that again. Write that down. Seriously, folks. Toleration of falsehood is intolerance of truth. It's it's a little bit also um, the move or insight logic, if you when we talk about judgment, it's impossible not to judge. To question that is to prove me wrong. I mean, it's to prove me right, actually. To question that is to prove me right, because it takes a judgment. It takes an evaluation of what is good or true. All right. And really, I think it's an acknowledgement here in this setting, this conversation, that none of us are authors of truth. That we are subject to a truth we did not create, but who created us. And validated over time, not simply this ethereal, smoke-like truth, and mine is mine and yours is yours, but the, the Judeo-Christian truth, the goodness of it, is validated sociologically, psychologically, physiologically. And simply, if you look at the physical aspect of sexual attraction, of homosexual attraction, and this is not in any way biasing, it's just stating science, the bodies don't fit together. That's a fact. And if we acknowledge, as a doctor or a scientist would, that every part has a purpose and a function, if we dismiss that there's a purpose and a function of the sexual parts, if you will, for uh, in the realm of sexuality, what have we to say about a surgeon who, for instance, says, well, I'm also going to kind of subjectively decide that I'm going to put a liver where a heart is. You've got nothing to say about that. 
If we've reduced the value, the function of a particular part to something that one just personally owns or believes, and there's no objective truth about it, um, again, you got nothing to say to a surgeon who wants to put a part somewhere else. I know you say it's absurd, but that's the principle that's a logical continuation of that principle that body parts have no purpose or function applicable to all. Connor, what are your thoughts on all this? You're at college, you deal with this generation, you know the truth, you pursue it, but you also have a great heart of love and you want to lead people in that love. Uh, What are your thoughts? You know, something that uh, JP brought up was uh, that he hadn't seen a lot of people that were um, that were like professing uh, their faith, but also not living it out um, ra- rather purposefully, uh, at least as I understood uh, JP talking. Uh, and what's sad to say is on a college campus, a lot of times I do see that um, where people, they'll, they'll have been raised well, uh, they'll have been raised going to church, they'll be, uh, but as soon as it's their decision to go to church to, uh, to make their relationship with God their own, they don't. Um, and I don't know whether that is a, if it's a matter of the environment that they're put into, uh, going into college and being away from their family, or if that's just a personal choice that they just decide not to care. Um, and it is really concerning, um, especially seeing as some of these people I'm, I'm very close friends with. And you like I've had very good conversations with them about their past and about their faith but at the same time i see them on the weekends going out and getting absolutely like lit yes yeah lit is the word (laughs) we'll go with um or (laughs) being sexually active or like it's just it's very sad to see um so seeing that on a like on a daily basis is it, it is very sad uh to see uh how our generation is going um in terms of the topic of homosexuality uh, and that community. Um, same with JP. I I'm very active on social media in trying to trying my best to proclaim truth uh, to the people that uh, I interact with. Um, and I I feel with like this generation, if you don't agree with truth, suddenly you are like that person is hateful. Um, like today, I was in an argument on Facebook. Uh, over an economic <laughs> video that I shared, and so controversial. Yeah, very controversial that this country is in debt and we need to solve <laughs> that. Um, but I was called bigoted and a racist and a homophobe, even though the video I shared was purely economical. So I'm very confused as to how that was brought up. But it's just, it's just very interesting to see the absence of truth in so many people's. Mm-hmm minds with a lack of argument behind it can i ask you Thank gentlemen you, a question yeah okay so absolutely i love you, all mom. three of you i love you too have brought up social media which i know has its place and is mm-hmm. important i am not a social media person <laughs> go ahead and laugh at me <laughs> she'd go to back to her flip phone if she could. i could and i would mm-hmm. and i will someday flip even phone, if it rotary doesn't dialer work. yeah <laughs> <laughs> with the twirly thing right, going into right, the wall all right. God bless you all. Julie Andrews, um, who I love, by the way. Him with the jitterbug. Mm. That's okay, too. So my question is, how, um, how what? Because you have people who say, don't argue on Facebook, or, mm-hmm. you know, Twitter's not the place, or what mm-hmm. are these other things? I don't even know. Instagram, or yeah, just whatever. I, I know what you're saying. So 
which sometimes there's a point to that. So I guess I'm asking you three, which I know all three of you have had some powerful experiences and breakthrough, if you want to call it that, on uh, social media. How would you respond to um, my question? Yeah. And I don't even know if I threw it out I there. Would, no, I know what you're saying. on for my old-fashionedness. I would say it depends upon what your motive is. And also I would I would often challenge the person asking the question, do you not have those conversations because you're scared of something? Um, because I think I- even in my own experience, there are times when I see something, I'm like, this is so wrong, but I know that if I comment on it, then everybody's going to be like bashing me. But like, it doesn't matter if nobody agrees with you. If it's right, it's right. When um, has that ever stopped you though? So <laughs> True. Um, but with that being said, I think if you're... I honestly, I my position is that it's always good to proclaim the truth with love and prudence. So the prudence does imply at the right time in the right way. Um, so like if I know, for example, I am a staunch gun rights advocate, but I've seen people who have been affected by gun violence. And as soon if they post something like that, the thing is I have to hear their heart and I have to hear what where they're coming from and what they're saying. And so if they are talking about like, look, we need to um, start regulating X, Y, and Z because of this, 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 and this, and I've been, I've experienced this, 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 and this, I'm not going to like, just say, well, you're wrong because of this, 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 and this, that's, that's silly. That's imprudent. Um, But I think in general, when somebody says that it's very much an excuse to not partake in social conversation, um, and so, yeah, my, my position is if you see something, uh, it's very helpful sometimes to just put a link, like, because you should always argue with facts. And if you're right, there are facts out there. So can I, before I know Greg, you're looking like you want to jump in, but the, uh, I, I know that eyeball to eyeball is always the most effective, mm-hmm. right? So I guess I would say in answer to my question <laughs> as the non-authority, <laughs> if you're able to do it in person or... Are you not willing to ever? Now, obviously, Facebook friends, et cetera, mm-hmm. go far and wide, and that's not always you know, a possibility, or a phone call or whatever, if mm-hmm. you have that relationship. So I guess I would say, because so many people hide behind yeah. good, bad, and indifferent, the, you know, it's easy on social media, right, to get in there. That's very true. Um, so yes. I guess just, to, one, to be aware of that mm-hmm. in my other... Uh, and also, can I butt in? No, let me okay. finish. Just because I'll <laughs> lose my thought in my old age here. Just the other thing that I would say is, um, to those people who get so drawn in, is mm-hmm. it taking away from other responsibilities? Yeah. So those and are that's my for two sure. if, things. If your priority is finding arguments on social media, that's a different problem. You need a life. <laughs> um, but... Yeah, I I would say also something else that's important is, for example, um, if there is somebody who has a bigger platform who you know, I think that the, like, Matthew, what's the chapter? I'm ill-versed Matthew 18, meaning go to them first. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So, like, for for example, if it's a Father James Martin figure, um, if you knew him, to call him up and ask him, hey, what exactly do you mean by this? Like, there are many people who are being influenced by what you're saying. So call them up, try to figure things out. If that's not working, then you take the next step. Um, and so, yeah, there are different levels, and it's it's a case-by-case basis, I would say. I do think, yes, that there are many who are on Facebook in an addicted way, 
and that there is a pining for value mm -hmm. that can come out in the form of endless banter and the need to be right and the need to assert oneself and that the forum does not lend itself necessarily to them knowing that they're loved mm -hmm. and that you care about them and that there is a relationship. That said, and absolutely true... That comes from a misplaced idea of social media. Sure. Well, I'm, well, so what I'm saying is it's part A. Part yeah. B is, and you know me, part B is that it's where people are. It's their mm -hmm. primary right. form of information and news and interaction. So I will, on my Facebook page, post regular prayers. I will be very candid and self-effacing, acknowledging that I'm on the journey, inviting people to join. I definitely see it as an occasion to invite people to flesh and blood connections um, where people can connect. And I will say that I do think it's critical that we don't miss opportunities to articulate, to foray into the controversial mm -hmm. with self-effacing love. And I'll take it further, um, if those posts, and you know, I posted this morning, if you go to my Facebook page, you can see it's kind of making its way, you know, quasi-viral. I don't know if that's a fair word, but you know, I had a, I had a uh, rainbow flag uh, behind this message, and I said simply, gay is not an identity. It's a disordered desire. If there is no order to our desires, anything goes. And I wanted to make sure that I included in the very first comment this. There is no love without truth, nor truth without love. God is love. God is truth. Our identity is our unsurpassed nature in God. For the disordered desires each of us have, the only orientation that truly matters is the one we all share from sin to salvation in Jesus Christ. So as folks interacted in the vast majority of these maybe because of my list or people, although I do throughout the country, know Hollywood friends who are pretty significant and they've interacted at times about these things. And people are genuinely open. And I think it's important to give people, if you will, some solid uh, questions to consider, mm -hmm. to evaluate, and to realize, again, it's a truth that we can't create. That's the heart of it all. It's a truth we can't create, but a truth who created us that desires our best interest and invites us to bow, all of us. Um, I want to share, as we're looking at the time here, wow, running down quick. Um, I encourage you all to go to 1Peter5, that's all spelled out, 1Peter5.com. And my boy, Joseph Shiambra, if you don't know about him, uh, I'm just going to read from this uh, intro to a hour and a half podcast, which you all should really go and listen to, but this is the preface. It's one of the most difficult topics for Catholics to tackle the cultural rise of homosexual ideology. Joseph Chiambra knows the gay world firsthand. As a young man, he left home, went straight to the infamous Castro district of San Francisco, where he did everything gay that you could imagine. At some point, though, it got too dark for him, and as Joseph recounts, Christ just said to me, you can either live or you can die. You can go to hell or you can have another chance. And he says, I took another chance. Joseph left behind many years of extreme homosexual lifestyle, broken, sick, wounded. He found healing through our Lord in the sacraments of the Catholic Church, in particular through priests who modeled manhood and nobility of the Mass, and he no longer suffers from same-sex attraction. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. Lord, each of us experience brokenness as a result of sin, and yet you've come into this world and poured forth transforming grace. Make us aware of where we're at, Lord, and our desire for you, that we turn to you and seek that grace stirred up all the more to live the transformed lives and the abundant life in this world and through all eternity, and to be instruments of the same for everyone we know. 
for the glory of your name through Christ our Lord we pray. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, Holy Spirit. People are talking about Annunciation Radio.